Hi, I'm Bishop C.H. Liggins Sr. And I'm Pastor Tammy Liggins. What's up, y'all? This is Quincy. And we have gathered together again to share some good old roundtable talk. Today, our topic of the discussion is going to be about black business support, financial empowerment, and bankruptcy and credit scores. I look forward to everybody joining us. Thank you for joining in. First topic, black business support. We want to talk a little bit about that because um, we've had a lot of black businesses that have closed, have went away, and a lot of people in our community, they have a lot of skills, but they don't believe they can have business. So we're going to talk about why is that and what can we do about that. Um, Pastor Tammy, you got anything to share on this issue? Well, what I think is that we're not motivated to be entrepreneurs. I know that things have changed a lot. Um, in my mother's day, it was nothing for you to get a beautician license and have your own beautician right. shop within your home, and you did hair out of the home. And so they earned their own income that way. Uh, if we speed up, I don't know if we're just getting lazy or technology. I, I, don't, I just don't know what it is. But uh, to own, a, own your own business these days, as far as being a minority according to America, is very rare. And um, there's several reasons we can go into why that is. Um, once again, we, we said this before, upbringing. Upbringing has a lot to do with it. If yeah. your parents are not pushing you, I know my mother worked. She started off as a beautician first. Then she got her nursing degree, and she stuck with that. Worked two full-time jobs to take care of eight chillin', okay? Mm. Eight chillin' of us. <laughs> and... Um, Dad, he was taught to go to work, take care of your family, pay bills, and that's it. But they never transferred that teaching of entrepreneurship, even though my mother started off in her own business as a beautician. It was never handed down to us on the importance of being a business owner. You know, when I was young, um, there was black businesses everywhere. Um, in my community, um, we didn't get out much <laughs> because everything we needed was in our community. Right. You know, the grocery store was a black business grocery store. The, um, the liquor store, the fast food places, the uh, laundry, the laundry mat, the cleaners. Um, it was a lot of black business going on in my community, which was a good time. But something happened after the 70s to where it started fading out and transitioning. And I do recognize that a lot of non-blacks, had businesses in our community, but had it managed and run by blacks because that was good business. And to me, that's like a, a front. Um, you're monopolizing and taking advantage of a, dis, of, a, of a people that are being deceived that they're thinking in their mind, this is black owned, not knowing that it is really a different race that is owning it. So even though the front is black, the money is going to a different culture. Yeah, um, Pastor Quincy, what, do, what, what are the young people seeing in our environment today as, as far as black business? Well, when I was coming up, they told me that you can be anything you want to be. Yeah, Lord. That's what they had said. <laughs> but then when you get to school, you got teachers that don't necessarily say you're going to be anything you want to be. They teach you what, they want, what the curriculum says, and they tell you you probably ain't going to amount to nothing. Mm. And then, when you get out of school... Just tell me what the teacher's name is. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and then when you get out of school, <laughs> you um, 
you're told why, when you're about to graduate, a, a lot of times um, they're told to get a job or go to college. Those are the only two things that they teach you. They don't teach you about maybe you want to start entrepreneurship or um, they ask you what you think you want to be when you grow up. And so you, they make a plan for you in the curriculum so that you can go through that process of grooming into whatever you say you want to be. I wanted to be a demolitionist. Uh-huh. And so um, they they take you, they, they put you in classes like in high school to where it's supposed to push you towards that that um, dream that you say you have. But then when you get out of those classes, when you start to graduate, they tell you that um, it'd be good for you to go to college. Well, a lot of us don't understand that when you go to college, it costs money. Yeah. And also when you get out of college, if you don't maintain your scholarships, it also, uh, you got to pay back that money. And so when you get a job, a lot of times they don't tell you that most college graduates don't even get a job in their field. And so it, it becomes a great letdown, and then you go and get a regular job that has nothing to do with your field, or you go back to the streets. Something, so, something really changed because um, I, I guess I want to say in the 60s and 70s, um, the school was basically teaching you how to coexist, you know, uh, do a job application, uh, you know, basic stuff like that. Right. Um, it was setting you up for being a blue-collar worker, basically. That's basically what it is. But outside of the school... In in my my community, we had a lot of brothers who was like either hustlers, mm-hmm. or survivalists, or entrepreneurs. To where they was telling you you could be anything you want to be, and they was encouraging you. You know, when you see brothers got their own tennis shoe business and they got their own stuff going on. You know, right. on. So brothers were finding legal hustles and legal ways to do things, and everybody in the neighborhood knew where you can get this, knew where you can get that from. So stuff you didn't have to go to school for. You didn't have to go to school for. So a lot of brothers was making it on their own, but they wasn't looking at global. They weren't looking at national. They was just looking at local entrepreneurship. And I noticed that when I when I came of age, I noticed everybody that I knew that was in business was pretty much local minded. So I recognized that once I left my hometown. Um, Pastor Tammy, um, in your generation, did you know a lot of um people, you know, adults that had their own businesses that were um, African-American? No, I did not. Um, and if they did, they had a beauty shop. Okay. I was, uh, my mother used to take us to the beauty shop. We would get our hair done. We used to get those uh, carefree curls. Yeah. And the relaxers and things like that. That is the only entrepreneur, African-American uh, entrepreneur that I knew of. Either they had a shop or they owned their own um uh, what do you call that um, business with fixing the cars? Mm-hmm. They have their own garage. And that was about it. And a lot of them that were entrepreneurs that went around fixing cars and wasn't on paper. Yeah, yeah. Well, what you call them, that was... Um, uh, under the table. The under the table. The, yeah. <laughs> Entrepreneurship. Yeah, yeah. And it's still it a lot of that. official. Yeah. It's still a lot of that going on today. And, and, and I encourage those brothers to continue to do that. But, um, you know, they're just trying to survive and they're doing what they got to do. And that's good to have that inside of them. But for some reason, like um, Pastor Quincy was saying, we're not taught how to um, be business minded. We're just taught how to be consumer minded. How to find a job. Right. Yeah, that's right. And so investing, um, you know, the, the purpose of college is for you to get another um 
something else under your belt to get you closer to what you want to do, not just to have a degree. When I was young, you were nothing unless you got a diploma. Now, they don't care if you got a diploma or not. They want to know what else you got. <laughs> you know, so th- we, we have kind of, I, I would say, devolved. Um, but we do have a lot of black business out there. But for some reason, the marketing, they don't, they don't kind of market themselves to the wide audience. And then a lot of it's um, uh, word of mouth. Right. You know, we got some great entrepreneurs out there, but they don't have no card, no business cards. Uh, some of them don't have no Facebook, no web page, no advertisements, no nothing. You just have to drive around the corner and say, oh, look at that. And I think that contributes to us being held back because you can't get those loans and you can't get those grants and you can't get those things that the Small Business Association gives to a lot of other people. Right. Other nations. Yeah. What are, now, so, so what are some of the things we need to pay attention to as far as um, how can we be better at supporting our black businesses? Well, I do want to say, Bishop, that church is a bishop. I mean, but church is a uh, business. That's what they say. That's what the state says. Church is a bishop, isn't it? um, (laughs) (laughs) All righty then. But church is a business. And when I was growing up, they didn't like to say that church was business. Ain't that something? Because they were so spiritual and holier than thou. Uh Uh-huh. But you have to manage money. You have to have an account. You apply for a non-for-profit status. Right. You have to report to the government. It is a business. Yes, it is. So it has the spiritual aspect in it, but know that it is a business. And anybody that had a church back in my day had a business. So That's I will right. say, you know, you could have five, six, seven churches on one strip, on one block. So uh-huh. I guess we did all right when it came to religion, you know. Well, what does it uh, say? What does it say? What the word say about a lack of knowledge? Yeah. Right? Because yeah. even today, a lot of our churches... God bless them. You know, they're, they're, they're doing it and they got the passion and everything. But a lot of them are on the low, to be truthful. They don't want you to know that. A lot of them have not registered with the state. That's a lot right. of them not uh, have That's a right. non, non-profit status. Right. And a lot of them, you know, they're just on the low. And they feel comfortable doing that, not realizing that not only the state, but the federal government has incentives for them to be a business. It's better right. to be a business, Right. And so just by being a business, a nonprofit status, yes, you have tax exempt. Yes. Um, right. And there's a, a whole bunch of other things that come into play, expenses and all that kind of stuff. It's rules and guidelines to help you. But a lot of our ministries, they're just doing it on their own. And they just feel like, you know, I don't want them to do with um, the establishment. I've heard that. Right. Pastor Quincy, have you heard that before? Yeah, I've heard that a lot. Um, a lot of people don't even have IENs. That's right. The EIEINs. Yeah, you're right. I don't even know the correct Right. Employment identification numbers. They don't They don't have them. I don't even know. They don't have them. You're absolutely right. I don't even know the correct terminology. That's your generation. What I was saying was that, you know, a lot of times it is under the table. Yeah. Word of mouth. You know what I'm saying? You got a brother so-and-so. I can come over here and fix the sink for you. You know what I'm saying? Just give him uh-huh. a nominal fee, maybe cop him a couple of beers or something. Uh-huh. He'd be all right. Ah! Throw him a few joints, he'll be okay. Yeah. You know that, I mean, that's what's going on. That's, that's what's, what's going, going on. on in our community. Yeah. And so we, you know, and then at the same time, uh, when you get tired of the handyman coming through, you say, I want somebody with a guarantee. And that's when they say, oh, now you've been selling out to the white man. Now you're giving your money to the white man. Mm. No, excuses, excuses. We, we don't know that we can get those same guarantees that they got. That's right. The only thing is, is that we got to fight harder because we got systematic oppression uh-huh. that teaches that teaches minorities 
that you do not have the same privileges readily available as the majority in this country, which means that they're not readily available, meaning that you got to fight harder and prove more than just a, you know, a majority coming in and saying, Oh, well, Hey, I need this loan. They just stamp the paper and let them go. That's that systemic, uh, systemic racism because uh, you go to some people and you walk in and say, I want to have a business. And the representative, the bank person or anybody, they're going to say, okay, you're starting a business. Well, have you done this? Have you done this? Well, you need to do this. And and this is going to help you with your taxes. And they guide them through the process. Mm -hmm. There's an organization called SCORE that people can go to and they help you get your business established. Uh, There's no black exclusive organizations that help you get your business up and running. But there are businesses that help you get up and running. But systemically, if you are of color, we have a tendency of, we're not going to help you unless you do the homework and you find out yourself. So once you found it out, then they'll say, oh, yeah, 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 we got that. We got that. And that's how you get yours through. So the lack of knowledge, once again, um, the only way that we're going to get better at black business is we have to collectively work together, support our black businesses. Don't be asking for a discount all the time, you know, because you don't ask for a discount at the other stores. But when you get to a black business, all of a sudden you want a discount. I've heard that too many times. Have y'all heard that before? Of course. Brother want a discount. Why? Because we brothers, man. You're my brother. You're my brother, man. Come on. Cut me, a, cut me some slack, man. You know, we all trying to hustle. Get up, man. And then you, they wonder why you say no. They wonder why then you still got to pay full price because um, I'm a business. I got to make money. I got right. bills I got to pay. Right. I got taxes I got to pay. You know what I'm saying? I can get audited if I'm caught giving discounts to certain people, I, they can shut me down. I think it's kind of cold-blooded to where um, people say um, they don't want to pay their church tithes and they don't want to give any donations or anything like that. So um, from a business perspective, the church is having difficulty paying for the water, the lights, the building, and all the expenses the church have. But right. if the church doesn't survive because of a financial challenge, you know what I mean? People say, well, maybe it wasn't God. Look at that. They stamp God's name on it. Instead of them not being committed to contribute to that, you know? So that's one thing that we're going to talk. We're going to always keep in our mind that we need to support our black businesses. Let's make sure we reach out and go check out a black business from time to time, go to their restaurant or the quality store, give them some support. All right. That's all we're going to talk about on that issue. The next topic that we're going to cover is financial empowerment. Financial empowerment African-Americans is something that's not talked about enough of, and it's why we all kind of stay at the same level, and not enough of us are growing and advancing and enhancing ourselves. So let's talk about that. Financial empowerment is something that's going to help you be stable, and something's going to basically let you know that you are growing. We should always be growing, but financially, a lot of our people, a lot of us, we're just living. We're just living from paycheck to paycheck. Um, I know people who, who uh, the grandparents is in the projects, their parents is in the projects, and now they in the projects. And that becomes a norm. That's a manifestation. That becomes a norm uh, with no idea or concept on how to grow. Pastor Tammy, can you share a little bit on um, people who are not uh, unaware of financial empowerment? Well, you have to have the mindset to want to be better, and you have to have the mindset to want a decent uh, living, and not just living to survive, not just living to pay bills. Um, I personally believe that God did not create us just to survive and just to pay bills. 
um, but to actually walk in your purpose to where you lack for nothing. And we all believe the Bible. We read the Bible. We teach the Bible. And the Bible says that the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. Yeah. But if the righteous is not equipped with tools um, that they can use, uh, things that can help them grow and invest their monies into and, and have multiple streams of income, then they can't tap into that wealth if they don't have the mindset. Sometimes we let our environment influence us. If our friends are not investing, we're not going to invest. Yeah. If my mom and my daddy um, didn't invest, I'm not going to invest. So then we find ourselves struggling. Um, and then we blame other people for our struggles. It's kind of like a woe is me mentality. Um, so, you know, it's all about where do you want to be? You know, has anybody taught us of uh, the uh, importance of having a plan of action, goal setting? You know, where do you want to be three, four years from now? Right. And a lot of us, we're not thinking about that. I know that the rumor stereotype is, is that black people, we live in the moment. That's it. We want to get it and get it right now. We don't want to wait. We want something fast, quick, and in a hurry. Impatient. And we're very impatient, and we don't, we don't know how to just sit back and just let, us, uh, let our money grow. Just put it in stocks. Put it in bonds. Get a trust fund, savings account, and just let it grow. A 401k, something that will help you maintain wealth. I know one thing that is very common with our culture is that life insurance. We don't we don't invest in life insurance. I see, you know, this pandemic is going on, and yeah. I am surprised. I even seen, you know, heads of churches, uh, people that are very prominent in this local area, and they don't have life insurance. And so you see all these GoFundMe accounts. I done given more money and donated more money than I don't know what. Okay, so, you know, that's just my take on it. Well, that's cool. That's cool. Um, you know, when I was coming up in high school, um, stuff like um, 501s or, or 401Ks and all the other kind of stuff, we wasn't taught about that stuff. We, we was just taught about, you know, save your money. And um, outside of the church, the community, I think community was a lot stronger in the 60s and 70s, and I don't know what happened. But the community was always talking about save your money. If you want something, go out and make your money. Uh, we was fighting with us being a big family. We would um, fight to get the shovel. So the first one get the shovel, first come, first serve. That's who's going to make the money. We would go cutting grass. We would, we would, that was a legit hustle. We was out there finding a way to make our own money, you know. And then that's, today, I don't know if people are trying to make their own money. They're trying to get money from other people and everything. And the investment business it's just unheard of. It's unheard of. I was told one of the first things of financial empowerment is a home. And I was told that when I was young. I don't hear too much of that now. And I, I was told one of the first things of financial empowerment is getting a job. <laughs> see what I'm saying? So it, it changes, you know, depending on the culture and everything. They said, boy, get your behind a job, for lack of a better word. They use that ESS word. And we just named two things that uh, that apply to financial financial empowerment. You know, employment, um, a home, um, paying your bills on time, um, an education, these things are going to help you make your life easier for you to financially be more stable. But a lot of these things our brothers don't have. They don't have nowadays. Uh, Pastor Quincy, what's going on in your, 
in your generation, how come a lot of brothers are not trying to be entrepreneurs and make make money? Because it's risky. It's risky. True. It's risky. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's a saying that goes like, you don't play with my money. I've heard that too many times. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And uh, jumping into a venture that you've never experienced before, nor has anybody around you ever experienced that to give you the ins and outs of it. Of course, you're going to be looking at it like, uh, please, man, that's foreign opportunities. I ain't trying to do all that. Why well, stick? Why well, would go and do something that I don't know when I can stick to what I do know and get me this couple hundred grand? You know what I'm saying? Like I can, I can, I can flip this and flip that and make it on the side. I'll be all right. It may not be completely legal. Uh huh. Whoa. But I can do what I can do. Oh. You know what I'm saying? That's and, and then uh, talking about the 401ks and uh, all that stuff. You talked about the other. What was the other one you said? There's a 401k and something else. 401ks and Roth IRA Roths. Yeah, all that right there. And mm-hmm. see, you know what I'm saying? Like, there, I grew up when I was growing up. There was a lot of conspiracy theories going around. Okay, you know what I'm saying? okay. And so you know, people was telling you about your social security number, right? That you got hidden accounts and your social security number and all that kind of stuff. And then it was telling you that um, the stocks could. Crash at any time. Stocks. If the yeah. stock crash, there go your 401k. What happened to all the money you put in there? It's gone. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of people lost trust and faith in the things that had worked for their parents. And um, I would say rightfully so because a lot of things have changed. There's a lot of different ways to make money now that's still legal. Okay. And yeah. all we got to uh-huh. do is search it out. But in my, oh, excuse me, in my generation, um, we have started searching some things out because we know we learned that, okay, well, y'all say we all equal. We all equal in this opportunity in this uh, uh-huh, country. Uh-huh. Well, okay, well, I'm going to start doing what these other people do. Right. I'm going to start trying out what these other people do. I'm going to start talking to them, see what mm-hmm. they're talking about. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to start doing some stuff like foreign trading. Or I'm going to go in there and start talking about some, uh, like selling cars. Okay. Or I'm going to, you know what I'm saying, or I'm going to get into the real estate business. Or I'm going to do something like that just to see if I can make it. I and little did we know that we got black millionaires come that on. have made it off of that. But in our communities, in the hoods, and the projects and such, we don't hear about no black millionaires. That's, All we see is Oprah on TV. That's what I was saying. we say, I uh-huh. wish. Uh-huh. Or we see Beyonce, Jay-Z, Ice Cube, Wait a minute, what about P. Tyler Diddy, Perry? All Tyler them. Perry's a billionaire. I was I was getting there. Success oh, okay. stories. I'm Success just saying stories. that's uh-huh. all we see. But they're in the entertainment business. Good point. And so most of us go straight to entertainment because right. that's what we were taught that we that that that's all they want from us. We don't have enough. We don't have enough people around us who are successful business people. You know, in in my circle of life, um, I can't name one person in my circle of life that I know for sure that has invested in stock. Oh. Okay. Or. 401ks most people nowadays they got 401ks because the job offered them 401ks that's right. right that's why they got it they didn't they didn't study up on it they just said hey oh i better get that that's Everybody it i said get it right so we're not surrounded by a lot of people with that financial empowerment strategies um so what are we to be looking for today what should we be um who should we be speaking to about getting us all on that next level pastor tammy Next level, kind of break that down a little bit more. Yeah, we're talking about the next level on how do we get um, people to be interested in financial empowerment to where they can start to work on growing instead of just living paycheck to paycheck, living day to day. How do we encourage them to start getting you know, more in financial empowerment? Well, I'm going to tell you right up front, that's a challenge. Uh-huh. Are you talking about people or black people? I'm talking about our people. <laughs> 
Uses, mama. I just wanted to make sure that I knew what the the people. Talking about uses. This is the black perspective. I just want to make sure, okay? Uses. Um, Uses. (laughs) Give us freedom. Okay, anyway. (laughs) Give us free. That's a challenge. Uh Uh-huh. Because I have approached, because not only do we have our church, we also have our own business where we are black-owned. Yes. And we help other people that have an entrepreneur aspiration to Uh start up their own businesses. So we do exist. Yes. And um, when you come to those that are saying, you know, I need business cards or I do uh, graphic design, and you try to speak with them on what it takes to literally start and promote their business. Right. They don't want to hear it. Right. They don't want to dish out the money. They want everything for free. And that is one thing that bothers me because what they will try to do is learn how you're doing Uh-oh. it. Uh-oh. And once they learn how you're doing it, then they don't want to support you. They want to do it on their own instead of supporting Someone that's already specialized in it. See, that's the reason why we cannot get ahead as far as financially, because we're too busy trying to do everything that everybody else is doing and wearing ourselves out. If you show people that you're a businessman and they see you succeeding as a businessman, you're planting a seed in them that the younger people are saying, hey, I think I want to do that, too, because I, I want to share with you. Uh, when I was in junior high school, this man used to drop his kid off at school. And every time he dropped his kid off in school, he had a new brand new car i said whoa this dude's big balling and every time he drove away this black dude every time he drove away on the back of the car it said jay wolf and i said man jay wolf is balling boy man i'm gonna be like jay wolf i'm gonna be like jay wolf well little did i know years and years later i came back after i retired and i came back and i told i, I told my wife i said hey let's stop in here jay wolf because this man inspired me to be a businessman I walked in there and saw a big giant mural on the wall and it had a whole bunch of people, but it had a, a, a white dude that was the biggest image. So I said, that ain't Jay Wolf. And the guy says, no, that's Jay Wolf. No, that ain't no Jay Wolf. I met Jay Wolf. I saw Jay Wolf drive a car to the Northeast all the time. And then I looked over and saw the same guy I used to see all the time, black dude. And he walked up. I said, now that's Jay Wolf. And they all started laughing. All these years, he inspired me to be a businessman, and I thought he was Jay Wolf. So his seed worked, but I didn't know his name. We got to start letting people know we are out here. We are doing business, and you can do business too. Pastor Quincy, what are these young people, what what are we going to plant in these young people today? Because they got all these games, and they got all these other strategies. How are we going to inspire them to get into business? Game creator, game designer. How are we going to get this to happen? I don't know about the game stuff, but um, one thing that inspired me um, is that when somebody came up and told me and said, you like your job? I said, it's all right. It's a job. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Even if I did like it, I said, yeah, so it's a job. They said, well, what if I told you if you quit your job and start working for yourself, you can make your own hours, you ain't got to push somebody's clock, you work when you want to. My Lord. I said, wait a minute. <laughs> you sound like you trying to calm me, bro. <laughs> like straight up. You sound like you trying to you trying to hustle me, man. What you mean? If I quit my job, where the money gonna come from? And he said, Do you believe in yourself? Oh, that's good. Do you have 
confidence in yourself that you can do what you want to do. And I said, man, now you calling me? Now you calling me a punk? Like what? <laughs> first, you, first you're trying to calm me. Now you calling me what? a punk? What's going on? You're challenging me, bro. Just say what you're gonna say. He said, look, man, there are two different mindsets. Really, four, but I'm only gonna tell you about the two. There are two different mindsets that people have. One is the worker bee mindset where you just get up to punch a clock, make sure you get your hours in, and you do trade time for money. Uh-huh. The other one is you have you become you don't get up to punch a clock. You get up and your money works for you Tell instead it. of you working for your That's money. That's teaching. That's teaching. He said that um what you gotta learn is is that you gotta is that your money is a tool. You are not the tool. The money is the tool. And you, you do not depend on the money. The money depends on you. Good word. That's what he was saying. And the way he's the way he broke it down to me, which I don't have time to do right now, it made sense to me. Mm-hmm. Like, why am I punching somebody else's clock to make them richer? They sitting at the top getting millions, and I'm getting the pennies. Why can't I just be the person getting the millions instead of being the one getting the pennies? I can make my own business, do the same thing he's doing. Yeah. And then I can be on top, and nobody's getting the pennies. That's real. See what I'm saying? All right. That's I would real. rather do that. That's real. We, we have to plant some seeds in people, okay? Because the young generation, they got an opportunity out of this lifetime. So what I want everybody to think about is on this is that on financial empowerment, um, I encourage you, if you are paying rent, start looking to the how can you buy a house and find out what it's going to take. And if that house ain't all super, super, Get a house because it'll be your house and you'll get more love, more appreciate from the government. And it, it goes the same with um, getting a job. If you're working at McDonald's, start learning how to manager, how the manager does things. Be a manager. Find out how to be a manager. We're going to go ahead and move on to the next subject. Our final subject is kind of like a twofold. We're talking about bankruptcy and credit score. African American community has some questions and some debate about that. So we're going to talk a little bit about the bankruptcies and credit scores. I want to start off by saying bankruptcy has been around for a long time. Many people have filed for bankruptcy. Even the president of the United States filed for bankruptcy four times. But still, look where he is today, right? So in my generation, bankruptcy was a bad word. Bankruptcy meant you failed. And my culture, that's exactly what happened to where nobody was filing for bankruptcy and they would just suffer and suffer and suffer forever, mm. right? So <laughs> if you don't know it, then you can't use it. And this is what was going on in our in our society. Pastor Tammy, did you ever hear about bankruptcy when you was in your generation? That's now funny. introducing Pastor yes. Tammy. Yes, I did. Actually, my mother, when my dad and my mother uh, split, um, Bankruptcy was an option, and she filed the, they used to call it wage earner back then. Uh-huh. Now it's called Chapter 13. Right. And she combined all of her debts into one, and she just made payments to the courts. So okay, yeah, I okay. Knew, I knew about bankruptcy. Good I deal. I grew up knowing about it. Good deal. Pastor Quincy, what do you know about bankruptcy? Your generation, do they even know anything about bankruptcy? Yep. I knew about <laughs> bankruptcy. Huh? Let me go on and tell you about some bankruptcy. Well... I knew while I was growing up that my parents was in bankruptcy. Uh-huh. <laughs> Come up in that. You came up in that. And that's all I kept hearing is bankruptcy, bankruptcy, bankruptcy. We can't do this because bankruptcy. We can't do that because bankruptcy, bankruptcy, bankruptcy. 
I didn't understand what bankruptcy was. I thought it was mm. some, um, some rule that meant we can't get what we want to get <laughs> when I was growing up. Mm. That's what I thought it meant. Man, I remember when I was young and my I was in my uh, low 20s and what? We, we were struggling. Yeah, it was a while ago. It was a little while ago. Low but, 20s. Low, low, low 20s. Right? I've never heard of low and 20s. I, I already had I already had three children and everything, you know. And I was in, and I was you know in the military and we could have really used bankruptcy, but I didn't believe in it. So we just worked out payment plans with payment plans with payment plans. And all the other people around me who were making less money than me, who were less ranked than me, they was getting a house. They was driving the fancy cars. I'm in a beat up van. I mean, <laughs> I'm trying to make it thinking I'm doing the best thing I'm supposed to do. If right. I'd have known then that I could have got a fresh start, my children would have had a better life and we'd have lived more stable. But I didn't understand that until I got older. And like you said, uh, Pastor Tam, you said chapter 13, chapter 7, there's different levels. But chapter 7, I think, is the clean slate, right? Many people who are not African-American have done bankruptcy and didn't even look back. Some people have knew they was going to do bankruptcy, so they got their house, they got their car, they got everything they need, and then they filed for bankruptcy. And what do they tell us? They tell us, uh, well, you, you know, they discourage you. Well, right. you know, if you get bankruptcy, you know, your credit going to be bad for seven years. Oh, boy, your folks will tell you, man, what's wrong with you, man? You Don't do bankruptcy, man. No, man, don't do You can't do nothing when you no, work it out. Work it out. Now now I tell people, if you're in your 20s, you got to do bankruptcy, you better hurry up and do your bankruptcy. It's only seven years. They say, don't depend on the government, man. You can do it. Hmm. All right, and then if you ask them, so uh, how many people in your circle done did it without the government? Ah, uh, 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 exactly. Yeah. Well, our, our, exactly, our, our. exactly, exactly. So that's one thing that we have a challenge with is to where we need to let people know that you do have an option. You don't have to swim in the mud all the way, even though you've made some bad decisions like many people do. Bankruptcy is an option and it is is there to help you get back on your feet. And this is what a lot of people need to pay attention to. Uh Speaking of bankruptcy also, they say it's going to ruin your credit score. Now, once again, I got to go with my generation. I ain't never heard nothing about no credit score. I ain't know nothing about no credit score because we all live self-contained and we all took care of each other. But credit score has always been around. And now you can't hardly do nothing unless your credit score is a certain number. Pastor Tammy, what, what's, what gives with that? Well, now introduce it, Pastor <laughs> Okay, you know, we're going to take that button away from you. <laughs> You're having so much fun over there. Well, um, I will say that uh, going back to Chapter 7, I'm looking up on scorecredit.com. Yeah. And Chapter 7 accounts for 62% of the bank, the personal bankruptcies filed. Mm -hmm. um, under Chapter 7, like Bishop said, everything is wiped clean. Clean slate. Right? So here's the thing. Yes. Before you had credit, they considered you too new because you didn't have credit. Yeah, we didn't trust you. So to me, it's a win-win because when you didn't have credit, they turned you down. And then when you had credit, they gave you, uh, you know, brought you through the ringer. And then all of a sudden you got bad credit. And <laughs> <laughs> it's like... Either you're going to suffer and owe people uh -huh. <laughs> or you're going to wipe it clean and be treated like someone that has no credit. That's right. Now we really don't trust you. We really don't trust you now. Right. You can always rebuild your credit. Don't right. Okay, yeah. so I think filing bankruptcy, starting over, 
You know, to me, either way, you're going to get turned down for some things. What I found out, okay, Uh-oh. come on, that now, now, there's a lot of companies out there that want to help you reestablish yourself. That's okay. right. So as soon as you file bankruptcy, you will start getting all kind of mailings from different credit Offers card companies, and, stuff like that. and they give you a chance to immediately boost your credit score. So How they it's, know? It's, <laughs> <laughs> How do they find out? That's a good question. It's public. It's public information. Public information. <laughs> and I'm not gonna say the name because I need to pay for advertisement. But Lord, there's one. We use. Yeah, we we not gonna mention any names. That's yeah. right, Glory. and Glory. they definitely help you build your credit. And it's easy too. You just give them the money, and they do all the paperwork. Hey, that's, that's the best way to go. So we need to get that word out there to our people about the um, bankruptcy, and then we need to start teaching them stop tripping on the credit score because um, while you're young, if you're stable, if you're doing everything right, your score's gonna be high anyway. Right. Well, but, you know what, Bishop? Yes. Our, our people are used to struggles. That's right. We're too comfortable in struggling. Mm. So once you have been in a place for such a long time, it's, it gets to be normal. And yeah. to be free from debt, you know, that's too far-fetched for some of us. Just a little bit. I know some people, names are insignificant, but I know some people who are uh, in the 70s and 80s and 90s, they're still working on having good credit. They're working on their credit. I mean... At some point, when you get a certain age, seventies <laughs> and eighties, leave a credit, credit score alone. Leave it alone. at some point, no it don't matter no more. Can't have good credit. Well, no, they can no, have they it. They can, but there's no sense in working on it. Why? If it's eighty Why? years old, they want to buy something. Your tomorrow ain't guaranteed. If you turn uh, eighty years old and your credit is bad, hate on the it's seniors. a done deal. We ain't hating on the seniors. We just telling the truth. If your credit Sometimes is bad, if your credit is bad and you're a senior citizen, it's a done deal. No. You find another way to make it work. <laughs> I mean, sometimes. The Bible says. Oh, come on, come on. Oh, come on. Are you going to Leviticus? <laughs> no, she was. Hold on. She, was, we don't know. She went to the Bible. What's going on? Well, what you got? Ask and thou shalt receive. Oh. Right. So just like Hezekiah. Whoa. My he goodness. He turned to the wall oh. after he received a prophecy that his life was over. But guess what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the prophet, mm-hmm. the king Hezekiah. Kaya, he worshiped the Lord and mm-hmm. he prayed, mm-hmm. and the Lord extended the years. Oh. If he hadn't worked, uh-huh. if he had not prayed, if, if he had threw in the towel, come on, ahead. somebody, uh-huh, yeah. would, he, would he have been as prominent as he was in the Bible? Well, come on. Would he have fought the battle? Well, somebody. Come on. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I thought you. I thought you were gonna go to the area to where in, uh, in the word in, in the word it talks about that if a person owes your money for seven years, ah, yeah. let it go. Don't let it go. You know, and even in bankruptcy, they say if the um the person that you know you owe money to, if they don't get back with you in seven years, then you can wipe that off your credit Just score. Drop it. A lot of people don't know that because some people's credit scores got stuff on there for ten years back. And they don't, they don't dispute it because they don't know nothing about no credit score. <laughs> I believe they got that from the Bible. They just twisted and used it to their own benefit. But, y'all, the word is out. If you got something you owe somebody for seven years and you ain't gave them a dime for seven years, then you need to work on disputing that, getting that off your credit report. What about a friend? What if you owe a friend for over seven years? Well, if you go by the word, let it go. That's what it said. They not letting it go. Nah, they be holding on for <laughs> 20 years. That's why, and that's why they ain't seeing. He that's still ain't gave me right my there. ten dollars. He uh-huh. never gave me my ten dollars back. Right there. <laughs> oh, take me to court. Oh, 
intent is past the statutes of limitation. Ain't that some stuff? Okay. Oh, oh it's on paper. It's on paper like that. Yeah. So everybody, you no know, bankruptcy. Uh, don't be scared of bankruptcy. If you're having a hard time, consider that as one of your options and talk to somebody. Talk to a lawyer, somebody about you know whether you could do bankruptcy or Just not. Just do it. Yeah, and then and then as far as your credit score, Shut you know, if you got a good credit score, you know, just kind of pay attention to it because that's the law of the land. They just go by these credit scores now. So just remain stable and, you know, just hope it goes up higher and higher, but don't let it, you know, control you. Just try to keep a good credit score. Um, at this time, we're going to go and listen to a word from our sponsor. Today's podcast is brought to you by Z-Truck Marketing and Management, pressing toward the prize of tomorrow today. If you are an entrepreneur and you're trying to start your own business, if you're trying to expand your business or simply just want to be in business itself, then Z-Truck Marketing and Management is for you. We do business consulting and we also help you start up your business with the tools necessary to be a success. Please reach out to us at www.ztrockmnm.com, www.ztrockmnm.com. Ztrock Marketing and Management, pressing toward the prize of tomorrow today. All Go right, ahead. so check this out. Um, Raw Talk is coming to you by, I'm just like, hit them with the Bible. Um, I just wanted to relate a few things uh, with the scripture. Raw Talk is going to be short today um, because uh, I really think we already hit it and quit it with the scripture talking about, you know, dealing with business and supporting each other and not allowing each other to fall and not trying to, you know, bag on one another, trying to get over on each other, you know what I'm saying? We don't get over on each other. We help each other. We can get over on everybody else. But when it comes to your brethren, you are supposed to help your brethren. Be there for your brethren. Love them like you love yourself. And that's one of the, if you say that's the golden rule, that really is the golden rule. And it's actually in the scripture. It says, love your brethren as you love yourself. And if you love yourself, you will never let yourself fall. You will never let yourself be seen begging or you would never let yourself look like a fool. You would never do that to yourself. So why would you do that to your brother? Don't do that to your brother. Love your brother. Don't let your brother look like a fool. If they fall, help them up. That's what you're supposed to do. Now, even when it comes to money, we, this is what we were talking about today. We're talking about finances, and we're talking about credit scores, and we're talking about you know uh, bankruptcy and different things of that nature. Um, this is Leviticus. Um, Chapter 25, and I want to read verse 25, and it says, And if thy brother be waxen poor, and hath sold away some of his possession, and if any of his kin come to redeem it, then shall he redeem that which his brother has sold. Now that's in the scripture. If your brother, meaning one of your people, not just your, your actual literal biological brother, but one of your people, if you see them, and they lost so much capital, or they lost so much income, they've lost business, and they've had to sell so that they can keep themselves from out of debt and things of that nature. Don't just watch them crumble. You're supposed to help them. That's what the spirit behind the scripture is saying. If you see somebody who was once prosperous, you see somebody who was once just doing the thing, and you was looking up to them, and it comes up to a time to where now you're prosperous, but now they're starting to fall, 
You don't just let them fall. You help them stay afloat. That's how we keep ourselves on top. That's how we keep ourselves up. Because what happened in the black community or in our community is that when businesses started to fall, we just said, oh, well, they must have been corrupt anyway. And we let them fall. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then next thing you know, you got uh, other nationalities coming in, buying up the storefronts, yeah. buying up the corner stores, buying up the the old banks and the old buildings. And what are they doing? They starting businesses there. And then their people come and they push them and then we get pushed out. And that's what happened to a lot of our projects. That's what happened to a lot of our hoods to where now they really are projects and hoods that are worse now because we couldn't understand how to help each other. We couldn't understand how to be there for your brother. We didn't understand the word sacrifice. Mm. We couldn't understand that. The word sacrifice doesn't necessarily mean you lose something. Sometimes sacrifice means you exchange something. You exchange your time and your money and your effort to keep your brother afloat so that we don't lose our community. The community depends on us sticking together. And if we can't stick together, then there will be no more community. Economics 101, it takes people you can't do economics by yourself. All right. You cannot be a community by yourself. That's that crabs in a bucket. We got to get out of that Jim Crow. We got to right. get out of that uh, systemic uh, 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 oppression and racism. We got to get out of the slave mindset. Yeah. We got to get out of that um, Willie Lynch syndrome. We got to get out of all of that. Uh -huh. We got to let that go. And I believe that with my generation and on some, we're starting to break out of that because in the Willie Lynch letter itself, if you ever read it, it says that this thing will last for three to 400 years and we are past the 400 year mark with slavery. Yeah. So we need to come up out of that mindset. We need to come up out of that and start working on helping each other, not seeing your brother as an enemy, but seeing your brother as your friend, seeing your brother as somebody who's just like you, seeing your brother as yourself That's rather. Right. That way, when you see some your brother or your sister, and you see a policeman coming up to them. Now, I know I'm getting off a little topic. Oh, here we go. But this is where it hits. Yeah. Right. A Come policeman on. coming up to them, Real and top. they're being Real harassed top. by that cop. You should see yourself in that position. All right. And what would you do to help yourself? You would wish that somebody would come to your rescue. Well, if George Floyd would have had somebody in that crowd, that when it came to his rescue, when he pleaded for his life, we wouldn't be having this, this whole thing right now. Because if somebody would have pushed that man over mm -hmm. just for like a second or two, that man could have saved, they could have saved that man's life. And he wouldn't have had to die on camera like so many other our brothers and sisters. So that's all for Raw Talk right there. All right, all right. That's real good talk. That's real good talk. That raw talk is always real. I want to thank everybody for being on board. Being on board with the round table talk. We're going to continue to have more talk. We thank you all for joining in and listening in. Appreciate it, y'all. Be, be in tune with us next time when we come together. And our topics of discussion is going to be gun ownership. Uh-oh. The pros and cons of marriage. Uh-oh. And then what Pastor Tammy was already talking about, we're going to talk a little bit about life insurance, the African-American perspective. That's right. Thank you, everybody, for being on board. Subscribe, join on. 
Download, put your comments in there because we see them. We see the comments. Thank you, everybody. Have a great day.